What's up, everybody? You're listening to another episode of the Inside Out Football Podcast, a podcast that does a deep dive into the sports of college football, pro football, and even high school football, but you're getting the perspective of a coach and aspiring insider in the industry, and that's me, your host, Jack Jones. Thank you for joining me today as I record another episode of my SEC preview a part of a larger college football preview series that I'm doing in which I <clears throat> go through each team in the Power Five conferences, that being the ACC, SEC, Big Ten, Big 12, and uh, Pac-12. Excuse- <laughs> I don't know why it took me an extra second to think of that. And I'm going to give you a rundown on the state of the pro- on the state of the program, you know, rosters, coaches, coaching changes, recruiting, everything that goes into what I project for this team to be in the 2020 season and then after I do that, I'm going to go through their uh each team's actual 2020 schedule and predict wins and losses and kind of come up with an idea of what I predict for each of these teams in the Power 5 for the 2020 season. As I said, this is a part of the SEC preview. Check out the other episodes in the SEC preview. Today, we are talking about the Auburn Tigers. The Auburn Tigers <clears throat> consistently probably one of the most entertaining and wild teams in all of college football. They play in some of the craziest, most unpredictable games that you will ever see i mean simply cite go back to that 20 what was it 2014 2013 that year that auburn went to the hold on did they yeah that year that auburn went to the national title and lost to florida state remember that season where they had the hail mary against georgia that bounced off a player and the guy caught it on fourth down for a touchdown everybody remembers the famous kick six it was when Chris Davis from Auburn catches the kick in the end zone and runs it back 109 yards for a touchdown. Even just last season, that opening game against Oregon was absolutely nuts. I mean, did you watch the Iron Bowl last year that Alabama played against Auburn? That was an absolutely crazy game. I think it included a kick return by Alabama, two pick sixes by Auburn, just a back and forth plays being made on by both offenses. I mean, it was Auburn not only plays in some of the craziest games and get, has given us some of the wildest moments in probably the past five to seven years of college football. They're consistently a team that you have to be on the lookout for to kind of upset the apple cart, so to speak, to kind of, you know, throw chaos into the mix and, unleash you know unleash unexpectedness onto the college football world they are always a team that you know they they might win a game or two that you really don't expect them to win that can really shake things up and (coughs) excuse me for that reason Auburn is always one of my favorite teams to watch and uh, analyze throughout every college football season all right, specifically last year they were 9 and 4. <coughs> I've got something in my throat, excuse me. They were 9 and 4, 5 and 3 in the SEC. They actually lost their final game to Minnesota 
and the Outback Bowl. And that that season also included, like I said, they lost to Georgia, I believe. They beat Oregon in the opener. They beat Alabama in the they beat Alabama in the Iron Bowl. They also beat Texas A&M on the road. That was a key win at the beginning of their season. They lost a tight matchup to LSU on the road in Baton Rouge. <clears throat> Let's see what else. And they lost to Florida. That's right. They also lost in Gainesville to Florida. So they lost to LSU. They lost to Florida. And they lost to um, Georgia. And then they lost to Minnesota at the end of the year. They, you know, they also whooped up on a bunch of teams and <clears throat> had a pretty good season. They were 9-4, and 5-3 and three in the SEC. They bring back four starters on offense and only five on defense. So they, they have a fair amount of experience to replace. A lot of that experience on offense comes on the offensive line. Four or five starters on the O-line leave. And that O-line was very average to begin with last year. So that is certainly a question mark coming into the 2020 season. Bo Nix, though, who was a true freshman quarterback to start last season. He is back for his second year. He expect him to, I think, take a a big leap forward and or maybe not a big leap but expect him to take a leap forward and to continue to progress as one of the better quarterbacks in the SEC this year the receiving core actually returns some experience and it's probably if you're an Auburn fan where you look for some optimism on offense speedster and o- Olympic sprinter Anthony Schwartz returns although there are some question marks about whether he is going to quit football to focus on track and field as of now i think he is still playing football so he is back seth williams who is probably a future nfl wide receiver returns and he's going to be he's like your clear and dominant number one guy along with eli stove eli stove is a player who i think has been eh, you know he's been eh for auburn for a while but he is some experience that also comes back at the receiving core. Jartavius Booby Whitlow transfers and is not going to be on the team this year. However, second leading rusher DJ Williams does return along with top running back recruit, excuse me, Cartavius Tank Bigsby, who figures to get significant time in that running back rotation this year. The defense replaced a lot. The, the defense lost a lot to the NFL. Derek Brown is a first-round pick. D-tackle. Noah Igbenogany was also a first-round pick at corner. Marlon Davidson, I think, was a second- or third-round pick at D-tackle as well. Overall, the defense has a lot has to reload. But especially on the D line, because this this unit lost really a ton of experience. The one name that you'll probably recognize on the D line that returns is Big Cat Bryant. He's back. KJ Britt and Owen Popo are back at linebacker, and that I think that will be one of the best linebacker tandems in the SEC. Both of those guys are pretty big, pretty fast, and just real thumpers in the middle. The secondary is probably the biggest concern for this Auburn defense coming back into 2020 just because I said they lost Igmanogany, and uh, they just lost a lot of 
other experience. Christian Tutt returns at safety along with Roger McCreary, who will be the top cornerback. Jamie and Sherwood will also fit into that rotation at some point, but like I said, there is a, there is some experience as being lost in the secondary, and it's a, a mentor of mine who does a, who works at two four seven sports and has his own podcast called The Weight Kick with Josh Pate. His name is Josh Pate. He has a saying, and I'm gonna steal it, but I'm I'm not gonna steal. It. I'm just gonna use it. But I, I figured I would credit him with this statement. He, what he always likes to say, and I think it's very true, is that questions don't, questions aren't always problems. Essentially, just because you have questions doesn't mean you don't have answers. I think that's the thing with Auburn secondary; they've got questions, but I think there might be plenty of answers on that roster to fill in and step in and be pretty good <clears throat> on defense. It's like the same old analogy with like Georgia's offensive line. Like Georgia lo- lost both of their offensive tackles from last year's team to the NFL draft in the first round. Cade Mays also transferred to Tennessee, and I think uh, somebody else also graduated too that I can't quite recall. So they they only have like one re- returning starter on the offensive line, but they've recruited so well at that position, and they have so much talent already there to where it's like they have questions all on the offensive line because it's kind of like who are going to be the next guys up, but – you think that you figure that they probably have plenty of answers to those questions because of all the talent and all of the and of the amount of good players they have waiting in the wings. They have waiting to take over. That's like what I mean by that, and I think that's a very similar situation in this Auburn secondary. That leads me to the top questions I have for this team before we'll get into breaking down the schedule for Auburn. My first one is, how much improvement are we going to see from Bo Nix this season? I think this is probably the most important question. Auburn will have Auburn fans are probably waiting to answer, and that Auburn will have to wait to see answered. Is that like Bo Nix was a four-star recruit, I believe, coming into college? He had a decent. He obviously has plenty of ability, and I think he showed numerous flashes in his freshman year of really of being a. Of, being good but he also he also had plenty of games see LSU see Florida especially look at that Florida game where I mean he was bad he I mean he was just not good he was inconsistent and he just didn't make he looked like a freshman and I think it's I'm not getting on him I'm not being hard on him I'm just being honest he was terrible in a, a few games last year against some of the better defenses that he played and that is that that's kind of what you want to see improve this year. Can you see Bo Nix be a little bit more consistent against the better defenses that he plays? Like again another team against Georgia. He's not existing against Georgia for much of that game. One of the better defenses he played didn't do much. I mean, that these are the questions that I think Auburn needs answered. Is that he I think he can do it and I think he's got some receivers on the outside. But this brings me to kind of my second question, which will help. Which will, I should actually phrase it, phrase it like this, will either help or hurt Bo Nix to a certain extent. Is How much w- will the offensive line improve? Like the offensive line I think was very average last year. The running game 
which is usually a staple in Gus Malzahn's offense. It's what he wants his offense to run through. He wants to really be able to just run the ball, pound the ball, pound the ball, and run play action. That's what his offense has been ever since he's been at Auburn. And one more thing I had to mention is he actually brought in Chad Morris, the former Arkansas coach from last season, and who's been at numerous different stops to be his offensive coordinator this year to supposedly – you know, let go of the reins of the offense and allow the offense to open up as a more passing attack. Auburn fans have heard this before. They've heard this narrative in the past. Gus Malzahn has said plenty of times that he is going to let give the keys to an offensive coordinator, an offensive coordinator, and not micromanage the offensive the offense as much and be more of like the prototypical head coach and you know oversee the team more. But he said that in the past, and it hasn't happened. He said that, and the minute the offenses started the struggle, he has come on back, he has taken over, he has started to call plays again, and it has been his offense. So, I mean, I think the, all of these questions kind of tie together with each other. Like, will this be Chad Morse's off? Like, one question is, will this be Chad Morse's offense? Will Gus Malzahn let go of the keys to the offense? The next question is how much will Bonix improve? And the third question is how will the offensive line be any better? And it's kind of like <clears throat> all of these things work together. And I think if the offensive line is a little bit better and can run the ball a little bit more and can give Bonix a little bit more time to throw, I think he's certainly a, a dude that can show improvement and probably be better and more consistent against the better defenses that he plays. But at the same time, if – I also believe if Chad Morris is not really allowed to run his offense and it's still Gus Malzahn's offense, I don't know if I trust the passing game to be that much more dynamic and that much more open to the point where Bo Nix will be able to develop in the way that Auburn fans want and in the way that we think that many of us who watch Bo Nix think <coughs> he can. <clears throat> and so, I mean, these are all just kind of questions that we have. I don't know the answers to, and that's what's great. They're all in limbo, and we have to wait and see. But I think these are all questions that we should be be very eager to see the answers to once the season starts because it's going to be a big determinant. I think Auburn has been a team that has really leaned on his defense, actually, more than anything in the past couple years to win. And I think if Auburn is going to be as good as they've been the past few years and even be better – this is a team that might have to lean a little bit more on their offense, and it's going to have to be a little bit more consistent on that side of the ball, and it's going to have to score some more points to win games because their defense is not going to keep them in as many games as <clears throat> they have in the past few years. My last question, uh, I suppose I have, I mean, you know, I, I don't suppose. The last question I have for this Auburn offense, as you notice, all the questions are on offense, really. It's, and that's because I, while the defense has players to replace, I think there are some good pieces coming back on that defense. And I think Auburn's recruited well enough on that side of the ball to where and Kevin Steele, the defensive coordinator, has been is good enough to where there's going to be enough of a plug-and-play element, I believe, on defense – where I think they're going to be just fine on that side of the ball. <clears throat> if Auburn's going to win 9, 10 games and maybe even more and push for an SEC championship, like obviously their fans want, 
the questions are all, all on offense. And my last question relating to that offense is which wide receivers are really going to emerge as, like, go-to guys? I mean, like I said, I think Seth Williams is probably that guy that really emerges as the number one alpha dog X receiver on the outside. But, I mean, besides him, who's going to really step up? I think Anthony Schwartz was incredibly inconsistent last year. Um, <clears throat> they've recruited some guys on that side of the ball. I mean, like I said, Eli Stove is experienced. But, I mean, who's it going to be? I don't know. And that's the other question I'm really eager to see answered that was going to determine – like, who's going to be – like, I think Seth Williams is going to be a pretty consistent option for Bo Nix in this Auburn offense. But if Auburn's really going to take that next step, I think they you need two really consistent solid options. Who's going to be that second? And then I think, like, Schwartz could be, like, your third option. But, like, if Anthony Schwartz is your second option on offense, I don't think that's great. I think you got Tank Bigsby in the backfield. I think he's special, and I think he's going to really provide some pop to that running game. <clears throat> And he's going to make up for everything and more that you you lose with Bibby Whitlow transferring. But I think you really need another defined option at receiver, like another go-to thousand-yard guy. And who's that going to be? It remains to be seen for me. So <clears throat> that's your rundown for Auburn football going into the twenty nineteen or twenty twenty season. Excuse me. If you missed that little piece of information I should have mentioned at the beginning of the episode that I kind of slipped in there. Former Arkansas coach who was only the coach for like a year and a half, uh, the past year and a half, and who's also been at Auburn previously. I think he's also been at SMU. He's been at some other places. Chad Morris has come in as the new offensive coordinator at Auburn. I think that's a very noteworthy hire in this offseason, and I'm interested to see uh, what that yields for the Tigers this season so we, let me read off the schedule really quickly just 12 games real fast I know with the pandemic oncoming we don't know how many games we're going to play I am recording every episode as of now at least in the SEC as while there's no announcement for a shortened season like we're playing a full season when I get to the Big Ten when I get to the Pac-12 conferences that have already announced that they're playing conference only schedules I might take I, I'm going to take a bit different approach towards analyzing their schedule and I'm obviously not going to discuss non-conference games that aren't even going to happen but right now the SEC is planning to play a full schedule I am going to act like the schedule is going to be the full 12 games for the purpose of this episode <clears throat> here's how the schedule reads how I, how I break down the schedule so we don't have to go through all 12 games is I identify definite wins, I identify definite losses, and kind of explain to you really quickly why I think they are as such. And then I identify defining matchups. And defining matchups are games that I think could go one way or another and that will obviously carry great weight into determining how good or disappointing each team's season is. So real quickly, let me read off the schedule, and then I'll go through definite wins, definite losses, and then defining matchups last. Auburn, here's our schedule. Home against Alcorn State, neutral site in Atlanta against North Carolina, at Ole Miss, home against Southern Mississippi, home against Kentucky, 
at Georgia, home against Texas A&M, at Mississippi State, home against Arkansas, home against UMass, home against LSU, at Alabama. Games that are definite wins on the schedule are home against Alcorn State, at Ole Miss, home against Southern Mississippi, home against Arkansas, home against UMass. I don't think any of those games need to be talked about too much. I would say out of all those games that I labeled definite wins, the probably most difficult of these definite wins will be the game week three at Ole Miss, just because I think early season Ole Miss might be kind of jazzed up, fired up for this game. They could be 2-0, uh, you know, and I think Ole Miss has recruited decently and might not be all that bad this year, and it's certainly a game that Auburn better wake up for because it's, it's an SEC West matchup, and they better be, be prepared to play because it's a game that they could certainly lose if they are not prepared coming in ready to rock and roll. With that being said, I think it's a, I think it's a game that Auburn takes care of, so I've labeled it a definite win. The other matchups I don't need to explain too much. Alcorn State, they'll beat they'll beat Southern Miss. They'll beat UMass, obviously, and Arkansas. It hasn't Arkansas is probably going to be one of the worst teams in the SEC this year, and that's just not going to be a, a contest. Their first I think there are no definite losses on here. I don't think there's any game on here that Auburn doesn't have a chance to win. Let me just say that. So I've labeled no game as a certain loss right off the bat. Their first defining matchup is the neutral site week two game in Atlanta against against North Carolina. Preseason to me, this was easily, I think, one of the most intriguing non-conference games. While it might not have been the most highly ranked game, because I'm not even sure if North Carolina would have been in the top 25. They might have been. I'm fairly certain Auburn would be ranked in, in the top 25 at this point. I just think it's a very interesting matchup. It's kind of like these schools aren't as far apart from each other from each other as you might think. It's kind of like a southeast region game. Auburn is one of the mainstay tough teams in the SEC, while North Carolina is a surging team in the ACC that is gaining like a lot of momentum and is like quickly becoming like a trendy team that pe- that like people think will be in the top 25 consistently very soon and will be maybe a challenger to Clemson and will be maybe one consistently one of the best teams in the ACC. So I, I just feel like it would it's a game that would provide some very interesting matchups and would reveal some very I don't there's a lot I don't know about either of these teams and I think a game like this would would reveal a lot about both of these teams. Well, I think this would be a very interesting matchup. I think from an X's and O's standpoint, and from like a talent perspective, like a roster standpoint, I still think like while North Carolina is building something clearly under Mac Brown, and they're clearly trending in a positive direction, I just think Auburn is their roster is just gonna is a little bit better still. They're just further along in their development as a program than North Carolina. Like, North Carolina is a team that I think in maybe a, a two or three years could be like at the status of Auburn if they kind of continue on this trend. But Auburn has, like, built themselves up, like, as a pretty consistent, like, 9, 10, 
10 win caliber team in the SEC West. And they consistently play one of the toughest schedules in the country. Let me tell you why that is. They play in the SEC West, which might be the toughest division in college football. Because you play Alabama and you play LSU and you play like the likes of Texas A&M every year. You also play like teams like Mississippi State and Ole Miss every year, which are no pushover and would if they and those are the types of teams that if they didn't play in the SEC West would probably consistently win eight, nine, ten games a lot more than they do. And they they're consistent. Their permanent crossover matchup is Georgia, who happens to be the best team in the SEC East. I think. Auburn, so I say all that to say this: like Auburn has just Auburn has just has recruited at a top ten caliber level for a few years now. There, let me read off their past four recruiting classes. Auburn in 2020 had the seventh ranked class in 2019, 11, 2018, 12, and 2017, nine. So Auburn has recruited very well, and while North Carolina is recruiting very well and is quickly adding talent to that roster. And I like Sam Howell as a quarterback. I like Daz Newsom at receiver. And I think North Carolina will have a pretty good season. I think this is a close game that Auburn narrowly wins. So I give Auburn a win against North Carolina in week two. So moving along with the schedule, so far that is – so the, sorry, moving on with the schedule – their second defining matchup I have is a home game October 3rd against Kentucky. Now, I think to some other outs- to some other outsiders and other people observing college football and observing this game, I think they think this is a win for Auburn. I think they think that this is a maybe a relatively easy win for Auburn. Like this is a game that you kind of look at your schedule and you're like, oh, Kentucky, they're they're a solid little program. And Mark Stoops has, you know, certainly elevated their status slightly over the past few years. But, I mean, come on, we're, I mean, we're Auburn. We're one of the best big bad teams in the SEC West. I mean, we're not really – we don't really have to be worried about Kentucky. And I think that is probably the – I think that's the attitude of a lot of Auburn people probably when they look at this schedule and they look at that game against Kentucky. And I think – and I, I would be worried that – if that is the attitude of the Auburn players at all. I think this is a prime, if you want to call it like letdown spot for Auburn, I think this is a prime like upset game. I think this is a prime like whatever you want to call it, prime like trap game. Because if you look at the schedule, the very next week Auburn is traveling to Georgia. And I think Auburn looks at the schedule and they're probably like, Eh, we're going to beat Kentucky. Like, we're going to be 5-0 and going to that Georgia game. Like, we need to just take care of business, be 5-0, and and then we can really take our whack at the big boy in, in Georgia next week. So I think there could be some look ahead if you believe in any of the scheduling dynamics. I think – I mean, I do, for the record. I mean, I think the – they're college kids, and even if they weren't college kids, they're human beings. And I think it's human nature to let some of these narratives, even though they are narratives that we create, I think they do come to fruition sometimes. Like, I do think sometimes, like, teams take an opponent a little lightly, and that sometimes teams are looking ahead 
to an opponent, they, they are more eager to play, so to speak. And I think Auburn has to be really careful in this spot because I think I think Kentucky Kentucky is one of my sleeper teams in college football and certainly in the SEC this year. And I think they're a team that needs to be taken a little bit more seriously, especially with what they have on defense, especially with what they have in that coaching staff and Mark Stoops that I am a huge believer in, and especially with what they are going to have on that offensive line. That offensive line is going to be very good, which means I think they're going to be able to run the ball pretty well. And I think if they get any kind of quarterback play and any kind of ability to pass the ball, they are going to be very live in the SEC this year. And they're a team that should be taken very seriously. And for all these reasons, this is actually a game that I have Auburn losing. I have them dropping the game against Kentucky. I think... Like I said, this is this is a game where when it comes about, I don't know if a ton of people are going to pick Kentucky to beat Auburn. I think it's certainly an upset, but I think it's definitely the type of game. It might be a like a, you know like I think it's just the type of stylistic game where you know Kentucky controls the clock, they play good defense, they run the ball pretty effectively, and they kind of smack Auburn at their own game a little bit. And it's like just one of those games that. Kentucky comes in and they find a way to win somehow and I think I, I'm picking Auburn or I'm picking Kentucky to win this game the, the next defining matchup on the schedule is the very next week it's a road game between the hedges at Sanford Stadium against the Georgia Bulldogs this is another extremely tough game for Auburn I, being on the road and being against Georgia, that a team that I am a really big fan of and I'm really high on this season and that a team that I think could really do some damage in the SEC. I think Auburn will make this game close, and I think this this is a rivalry game. It's an interesting game because it's I'm <coughs> it's the Deep South's oldest rivalry. That's what it's called. This is an annual matchup, and it's usually a game that is played um, in November towards the end of the year, either like in week 10 or week 11. It's usually played like right at the end of the season. But for whatever reason, it's being played in the middle of the year this year, which I'm not sure is just if that's like a new trend or if that's just like a random happenstance for this particular season. But anyway, I don't really think the change in spot for this game helps Auburn I think having to play Georgia early like in the middle of the season is probably worse if anything playing them later in the year maybe they're like banged up a little bit more and maybe that's where you have a chance but this is a tough game for Auburn well I think they'll keep this game close because it's a it's a rivalry and because like Auburn isn't that far off in terms of talent from Georgia Georgia is going to be a little bit better and they're going to win this game narrowly. So this is going to be another loss for Auburn. Their next defining matchup is the very following week, and that is a home game against Texas A&M. So this is an interesting game, I think, from Texas A&M's perspective, more than probably from Auburn. This might be tough for Auburn because they're coming off of, I, I predict, two straight losses and definitely a tough loss against Georgia. But A&M, if you look at their schedule, has a complete cakewalk up to this point in their season. 
this game at Auburn is probably the first ranked team that A and M's going to play, and the, probably the first team that's going to be any good whatsoever that they're going to play. So, if that being said, like A and M could very well be undefeated. A and M could very well be jacked up and fired up for this game, and I think. If you're an Auburn fan, that probably concerns you. Like you could be a little beat up with two straight losses, especially against Georgia. Although you're, although you're coming home, I I think this is a tough spot to have to play Texas A&M. But with all that being said, we'll talk about Texas A&M more in a different podcast. I I don't trust Texas A&M, and until they give me a reason to trust them. Kellen Mond, their quarterback, has been nothing but inconsistent. They have a good roster. They've recruited very well. But, like, Texas A&M is going to be one of those teams, and I am and I don't – this is not even, like, a principle I have. This is just, like, my own belief, my own common sense almost. Until, until Texas A&M gives me a reason to trust them and to believe in them and to actually believe they can really win and make it happen when it counts, I'm not going to believe it. So – even coming off of two straight losses, I don't see Auburn reeling. I don't see them losing a third straight game. And I don't trust Texas A&M to go on the road and beat Auburn. So I'm giving Auburn a win against the Aggies here in this matchup. The next defining matchup is following a bye. So after the Texas A&M game, Auburn gets a bye, which is probably going to be a much-needed bye week. Because that is a tough stretch. I think Kentucky, Georgia, Texas A&M is a very low-key, hard stretch. And a bye week is going to be well-deserved for that uh, for the Tigers. The next defining matchup they play, though, is after that bye week. It's at... So this is another sneaky, scary game. If I'm an Auburn fan, it's at Mississippi State. This is Halloween on the road against Mississippi State. I mean, already the fact that they're playing Mike Leach on Halloween is spooky. <laughs> like, it's spooky to me. Like, Mike Leach, the pirate, the swing your sword type dude. Like, I love Mike Leach. He's an absolute joker, clown, total, like, totally hilarious, totally good for the sport of college football. Um and obviously a good coach who, who has, you know, brought the air raid into college football and revolutionized the sport or helped to revolutionize the sport. But I think this is a scary game for Auburn. I really do. I think, like, Mississippi State is going to have, under Leach with that air raid, they're going to have that, like, we're going to get get somebody. We're going to get somebody every year type, like, you know, energy to them or type like feel like I really think they're going to be the type of team where like I don't see Mike Leach and Mississippi State winning 10 games a year and really I don't see them like I don't see them starting to win like 10 games a year or 11 games a year and starting to like challenge for SEC championships and doing that but I do see them I can see them very consistently going to bowl games winning 7-8 games a year and really like being a thorn in the side of a lot of these SEC West teams and like certainly having the potential to like get you know and beat one of these teams and I'm just worried is Auburn after this long stretch even coming off a bye like is this like the game that Mississippi State gets somebody like you know 
it's a tough offense to prepare for. It's a t- you kind of figure by this point in the season, Mississippi State has like ironed out any kinks that the offense might have at the beginning of the year. Like you probably figure like any team that's implementing new offenses with you know these kind of circumstances with COVID nineteen and this you know this off kind of off season are gonna be rusty and not very good to start the year but at the same time like you think by October 31st like Mississippi State might have it figured out so I mean it's a game that I think Auburn has to be very careful in and they have to be I'm sure their coaches are going going to prepare them that way or are going to make sure that they are very prepared and ready to play this game because this is certainly a game that I think if Auburn's not careful, they can drop. But at the same time, they're coming off a bye. They play Arkansas, who's absolutely terrible the next week. I kind of think that this is actually in a good spot for them, even though it's on the road. Like I said, coming off a bye, not really having a tough opponent the week after. This is a game that Auburn will have no excuse to not be focused in. So that's my point is like, although there's plenty to indicate that there might be a letdown and that this might be a game that Auburn drops. There's also plenty to suggest that this could be a game that Auburn's very focused for because, like, all of these things that I'm discussing, like, you know, I don't think anybody wants to be made a clown of Mike Leach, especially not in this first year. So I I think Auburn's going to be very determined to not be that team that, like, loses, you know, not, not be that proverbial big boy that kind of loses to Mississippi State. So I think... I actually believe Auburn will be very focused and prepared and will come in ready to play this game and will actually go get us Starkville with a win. Their next two games are against Arkansas and UMass, win-win. That's kind of a nice part of the schedule for the Tigers. It's kind of a nice little stretch of where it softens up a little bit. I mean, no, Arkansas is still a conference opponent, no disrespect to them. But that game against Arkansas is at home, and like I said, Arkansas is going to be terrible this year. They just don't have a roster. I'm a fan of Sam Pittman, who is the new head coach at Arkansas, and we're going to talk about them more in a later episode. And I actually think he's going to do some really good things for that program. And he actually, I think, very well could be like the right guy for that job. But the roster is just so barren this year, and it's so littered with nothing that it's just going to be hard for them to do much of anything. So anyway, I don't want I digress. I don't want to get too distracted uh, down that road. Auburn will beat Arkansas without problem. They will beat not UMass, who I don't think I need to talk about them, is maybe one of the worst teams in college football. They will beat them, those, them too easily. And that brings us to our final two defining matchups of Auburn's season. The first one being at home. So this is a nice little stretch of three straight home games at home, November 21st, against LSU. Now, this very well could be like this. I actually will predict this very well will be one of the most influential matchups towards deciding the SEC title race throughout this season, this game. LSU, Auburn, like, there's plenty of games that will decide that the SEC title race, uh, among those being, like, 
Alabama LSU will have a huge say in it. Obviously, obviously Alabama Auburn, LSU Auburn, Florida Georgia, Alabama Georgia. Like these are all like the real defining matchups that are probably going to determine who wins the two divisions in the SEC. Well, I predict Alabama to win the SEC US. I Auburn and LSU are very much live in this division too, and this matchup between Auburn and LSU could have huge divisional implications. Both of these teams probably will have similar records. I think they'll be similar in quality. We'll talk more about LSU in a later episode, but the way they've recruited and the way that they've continued to like reload their roster, despite the fact that they've lost a plethora of different people to the NFL, I think it's just a little bit higher than Auburn. And I think LSU is just going to be a little bit better than Auburn this season. And I think this could be a really close game. Well, this is going to be a really close game, and it could easily go either direction. I predict LSU to actually go into Auburn and steal a narrow victory. So I have Auburn losing this game to LSU. And then that leads us to our final defining matchup of the season. On the road, my favorite game of the college football season, the Iron Bowl against Alabama. Auburn has been a and Gus Malzahn have been nothing but an absolute pain in the rear to Alabama and Nick Saban over the past like seven, eight years or so. This is truly a rivalry which I love where you can throw the records out the window, you can throw everything out the window, and you can just line up two football teams, two schools, two parts of the state across from each other for, you know, a Friday or Saturday right after Thanksgiving and just see what happens. And to me, that's just so beautiful and pure and awesome. And I just love, that's why I love the Iron Bowl so much is this is truly a game where anything can happen. And the passion is so raw and so real. Like another similar rivalry that doesn't quite have this is Ohio State, Michigan. So I know, obviously, Ohio State-Michigan, it's not in-state rivalry or whatever, but it's a prime rivalry in college football. It's two premier programs, two premier universities that absolutely despise one another, won't even say each other's names. Ohio State refers to Michigan to the, as that, that team up north. And, I'm, uh, and <coughs> Michigan has little love on the contrary. But... That rivalry has been completely one-sided over the past decade or so. Uh, ever since Urban Meyer got to Ohio State, which was, I think, in 2012, maybe? Like, around then? Which is, like, we're coming up on a decade now from that point. They've just run Michigan right out of the building every single year. And it's just, Michigan hasn't been bad. They've actually been very good as a college football team for, very, for many of these years. And it doesn't matter. Ohio State still just owned the rivalry. And to me, and I think to many of you, that just isn't as fun. That isn't as entertaining for the common fan. And that's just not as enjoyable 
to watch at the end of the day. And I think I love how Auburn is always so alive and ready to just upset the apple cart and how they do it oftentimes is by winning this game, uh, winning this Iron Bowl. With that being said, I one thing you will have, you will notice though is each time, with the exception of the year when Cam Newton and Auburn beat Alabama in Alabama and won the national championship, since that since that year, each time when Auburn has gotten Alabama and upset them, it's been in Auburn. It's been at home. And if you actually look at the games and at the years, they've actually fared a lot worse in Tuscaloosa. The games in Tuscaloosa have been much less competitive and have often and have gone the way of the Crimson Tide. I kind of feel like that's going to be a similar story this season. While I think Auburn's going to be very good, and I think, as I've mentioned several times, Auburn has a very good roster and they have a very good team. I think Alabama might have one of the two or three best rosters in the country this year, and I think they are ticked off about not making the college football playoff last year. I think they're ticked off about getting run out of the building by Clemson a couple of years ago. I think they're ticked off about losing to Auburn last year in the Iron Bowl. And I think Alabama is just going to be really, really damn good this year. And because... Because they're at home, they're going to take care of business. And I I don't see Gus Malzahn and Auburn pulling off their Auburn magic this season. Well, I think they might hang around for a little bit. It might be close. I, could, I see this being maybe like a two-touchdown victory for Alabama when it's all said and done. So that finishes Auburn's season. That leaves them at 8-4 overall. Eight and four overall. They, lo- they I have them losing four conference games though, and winning one, two, three, four conference games. So eight and four. I'll be four and four in the SEC. I do have them going four, four and zero oh in the non-con. And um, I don't know. Eight and four. Eight and four. I think would be a okay season for Auburn. It would be a solid season. Would it be a season that pleased their fan base? I don't think so. Um, I would like. To, I feel like Auburn fans want at least nine or ten wins this year to really feel like it. Feel like it's a successful year, and I kind of, and I can I can agree with them. I can see why they think that. But here's where I lay. I mean, I see. I mean, I think I see this team as an eight and four team. I think they they might be nine and three. I think the game that I could have picked wrong is they might beat Kentucky, and I might be wrong in that regard. So I could see this Auburn team very easily going nine and three, but I think this is like an eight and four, maybe nine and three team, probably not not much more than that. And that's what I it's still very good. It's obviously playing a brutal schedule, but that's what I see and what I envision from the Auburn Tigers, the War Eagle. I don't, I'm not exactly sure why they're called War Eagle and Tigers, but anyway, this is why. This is what I see and envision from the Auburn Tigers in the 2020 college football season.